Legal Experts, a podcast series from Radio Verulam in association with Stowe Family Law. Today, Rebecca Harling joins Phil Richards to talk about divorce, children's rights and settlements. Now, joining us uh, on the phone for our uh, monthly feature is Rebecca Harling from Stowe Family Law with Family Law Advice. Welcome to the programme. Good morning. Hi there. Good morning. Hi. So, uh, let's dive straight in. Uh, We're talking about uh, family law issues. I suspect my wife is having an affair. Uh, How can I prove it to define grounds for divorce? That's our our first uh, question this morning, Rebecca. Right, so... um as, as you may be aware, um, adultery is one of the facts which you do need to prove to show an irretrievable breakdown of the marriage. Um, generally, in family law, we prefer to seek agreement with the other party before commencing proceedings on the basis of adultery because it can be quite difficult to prove. So unless you have evidence from perhaps a private investigator who has... Um, followed the person in question, taken photo- photographs or has some recordings, um, it can be quite difficult to prove. Adultery itself is actually defined in law as voluntary sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. So they do need to be obviously of the same sex and you do need to show there has been sexual intercourse. So what we commonly do is that we will send to the other side, if we're preparing a petition petition for adultery, um, a statement which is um, really a confession statement where we will ask the other side to sign this to admit the adultery in question. Otherwise, they can sign the acknowledgement of service form um, where they will be asked to agree that they admit the adultery in question. Um, Other than that, um, it's useful to perhaps think about using another fact for divorce, which is unreasonable behavior. Um, This, uh, you wouldn't need to establish the the same standard of proof, so you could merely rely on an inappropriate relationship with somebody um, of the opposite sex. Okay, so interesting uh, dilemma there, and uh, good luck with that. I divorced my wife some years ago, and our children have been living with me ever since. Um, And uh, the two children have now said they wish to live with my ex-wife. What rights do they have in this situation? Well, that would depend on a few factors. So particularly how old are the children concerned um, and the age of the children and, and you know what has brought about this change of view. Um, the court is going to be primarily concerned with the children's welfare. So if they you know, are, have been living with uh, dad and that has been the status quo for some years, then the court will be interested to know you know, what, is, what, what has brought about this change of view. Um, the court will not wish to alter the status quo unless it's in the child's best interest to do so. So um, depending on the age of the children, obviously if we're talking about children who are 16 or 17, then they can to some extent vote with their feet. So if they wish to go and live with mum, they can you know, tell dad that's what they're going to do and, and spend more time with their mother. Obviously, in the eyes of the law, any any person under 18 is still regarded as a child. But depending on the, on the age, their wishes and feelings are going to carry more weight with the court. Um, so, yes, they do have rights and their views are respected, providing they are competent to express those views. 
So usually we say it really depends on the individual child, but if a child is around nine years old and very mature and quite articulate, then their view will carry some weight. Um, if proceedings are issued, for example, by, by your ex-wife um, for the children to come and live with her, um, then the court will ask for a welfare officer, known as a CAFCAS officer, uh, to conduct a welfare report. So they will speak to the child concerned, they'll speak to both parents, they will speak to the school, and they will come up with a report which recommends what's in the interest of the child. And the child's own view will carry weight. Um, there's also um, an increased trend now to children giving evidence um, in family proceedings where it is safe and appropriate for them to do so. So children are finding they are increasingly having a voice um, in matters concerning their upbringing. Right. So, advice from Stowe Family Law and our special guest uh, on the phone this morning, Rebecca Harling. Now, uh, the next question. My husband has told me he wants to divorce. He's made me a financial offer. However, I know he's worth a lot more. How about that then? And, uh, you know, what, what can be done here to ensure I receive a fairer settlement or a fair settlement? Um, really, the, the best thing to do in circumstances where you're suspecting that your husband um, is a non-discloser is to really invoke the powers of the court. So the court will help you get to the bottom of what assets there are and what may not have been disclosed. So in a process where we might be looking at voluntary disclosure, you, you don't have the clout of the court behind you. Um, where we issue proceedings, so financial proceedings, both parties will be required to complete a form, a financial statement known as a Form E, and in that document, you are required to sign at the bottom. Um, and it's quite an important legal document. So you're essentially promising to the court that you are going to be completely full and frank in your financial disclosure. Um, once these documents are exchanged, um, the solicitors for the other side can then look through and look through with each their own clients and raise questions. So where we think there's information missing, we can go through bank statements, we can look at transactions, and we can really conduct a forensic exercise to see where money has been moved to or where there perhaps might be hidden assets. Um, if a party is seen to not have been disclosing and the court is aware of that, then obviously the court may draw advent, uh, adverse inferences, uh, particularly where there's been material non-disclosure. And if that party is seen to be in default, so they haven't, they haven't provided full and frank disclosure, there can be um, actually uh, criminal sanctions. So they could be held to be in contempt of court. I don't know if you've heard the case of Young and Young that was in the news in recent years where um, Mr. Young uh, failed to disclose uh, certain important assets and he was actually uh, imposed a prison sentence of six months for contempt of court. Um, other sanctions could be that the order itself could be set aside. So where there has been um, material non-disclosure, so where a party has failed to mention something very important, and it means that the order made would have been significantly different, then this can be undone by the court. So the court is really clamping down on people that, that aren't completely open and honest. Okay. 
Next question then. My husband and I have been living apart in different countries for six years. We've decided to divorce and carry on with our lives independently. Now, the question really is, do we have to uh, get divorced in the UK? We originally married in the UK. Uh, Do we have to come back to the UK for this? What's the best advice you can give there? Well, I can only obviously advise on the law of England and Wales. And I can explain, obviously, generally, you don't have to get divorced where you get married. You can get divorced somewhere where you have a habitual residence or domicile. In England and Wales itself, um, you need to establish uh, a connection to England and Wales to show you have jurisdiction to get divorced. So the way it works in this country is that you need to show that you are either both of you, you and your your ex-partner, are habitually resident here, um, or you were both habitually resident here last and one of you still resides here, or the other party, the respondent to the divorce, is still habitually resident here, and um, or perhaps you have domicile here. So the terms of habitual residence and domicile are quite complicated in law. Um, Habitual residence can be defined as um, the place where the person has established on a fixed basis a permanent or habitual centre of his interests with all the relevant factors being taken into account. So it's really where you have your centre of interest, so where you live, where you work, uh, where your children go to school. Right, so last question. Um, just really asking about um, divorcing again. And um, do we actually have to attend? And is it uh, open to the public? So um, the answer to that um, is that some hearings are held in public and some hearings are held in private. So uh, if we're talking about hearings that have gone on quite a while, so that we're talking about Court of Appeal hearings, they are always in public. Um, Below that level, so normal hearings, they will be held usually in private. So that means just the parties, their lawyers and the judge may attend. Um, There's also some proceedings which may be held in open court um, and they may be subject to some restrictions. So the media perhaps might be allowed in um, if that particular judge allows it and the parties do not. And we uh, need to go ourselves. You Well, you don't if you're talking about the divorce process itself so actually the divorce petition um getting divorced is really a paper exercise so there's no reason for you to go along for that if you are arguing about your things so for example your assets your finances your house um and financial proceedings are issued then usually you will be expected to go along sounds like it's best to doesn't it really if you can I think so because, you know, you want to have control over what's happening and and you will obviously, if you choose, you can have a lawyer there with you and a barrister to represent you. But unless you have very special reasons why you aren't able to to attend, the court will want you to be there. The judge will want to see you there. Um, They may also have questions for you um, and, you know, your assistance will be required on the day. Rebecca, thanks very much. Fascinating as ever and uh, lovely to chat with you. Thanks for uh, talking us through those questions today. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Cheers then. Bye. Rebecca there from Stowe Family Law.